everybody. It's Chris Morrow, editor of WorldSurfLeague.com, joined again today by Dave Prodan, a 10-year veteran traveling the World Championship Tour and uh, spin master in general for the WSL. So, Dave, uh, we're right in the middle of a, an in-between week here, in-between week here for the B-Team podcast. Uh, a lot going on, but a lot of it's on the QS side of things before we head into trestles. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening on the qualifying tour real quick. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're in between Tahiti and Trestles, um, but the other battle that rages on on the second tier of, of competition on the QS is is the guys and girls trying very hard to crack the elite level for 2017. Uh, so this last week we had the East Coast Surfing Championships, or the Vans Pro, Virginia Beach, uh, won by none other than Evan Geiselman, who is a, a huge, huge talent as an amateur and in the pro juniors. Um, got lost a little bit on the QS um, when he first ventured on there and probably burst back in the limelight last year at Pipe when he had that horrific near head death. injury yeah. and, and near death. And he has really rallied this year. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I look at his story and you can't help but feel for the guy because I remember when I was working at the magazines, we did a feature on John John, Kolohe, Evan, and Zeke when they were 12 years old and Carissa. And, you know, so obviously I've been following them really closely. And, you know, you look at John John and Kolohe and Carissa, and they just, you know, raced on and took over the world pretty quickly. And then you get guys like Zeke and Evan who, you know, had successes but sort of hit some brick walls. And, you know, that's the story for the vast majority of surfers trying to qualify. It is definitely threading the needle. Um, but it's so great to see Evan. You know, I think he's got this little second win going. And he's talked about it. He talked about after recovering from that injury how, you know, he's just kind of got a new outlook on life. And it's certainly affected his approach. And he's sitting now after that win. He's number six heading to Europe on the QS. And, you know, he's right there with a pretty good shot at qualifying. For sure. I mean, it's interesting. I, I kind of cut my teeth on the, the North American circuit when I started. And um, it was right at the time that his older brother, Eric, was so, so dominant, like, like, front runner for the the North American junior title so early such a good surfer and Evan was kind of the they called him golden you know he was like the golden boy mm -hmm. like the younger brother and he'd turn up and mix it up with the big boys and and he'd get through heats on the QS when he was like 14 so it's been a long time coming but it, it's interesting like you said you never know what you're going to get exactly. when you have those little kids and and some of them pop early some of them pop late and some of them don't don't happen at all they so just, they just don't pop and you know it's funny he's one of those kids too who uh, has a, had a massive growth spurt in the middle of it all. And that just makes things more difficult. He went from, you know, this tiny little grommet who felt like he was up to my navel right then. And and you look at him now, he's he looks like he's an NBA player. Yeah, I think that coupled with, like, a really gnarly competitive pedigree when he was a little kid, mm -hmm. and then you have a little bit of time off, you physically mature, you fall back in love with surfing, and you almost fly back under the radar when you come back on the QS, and then... You remember, you go, this guy is a radical competitor, and now he's fully matured, and he's a good surfer. Like, he's sort of secret dangerous, and, and it's no surprise that he won that event in Virginia Beach, and, and it's no surprise where he is on the QS right now. And last note on this, you know, I think there's a lot riding it because Florida's been in the middle of a pretty dramatic dry spell from the CT perspective, and it didn't hit me until we started working on a piece on Evan just this last week, but it was like Gabe Kling is the only Floridian to make the CT basically since CJ and Damien qualified back in 2000. So you're talking about one Floridian in 17 years 
who's you know 16 years who's made it through well that's um, it, that's interesting too chris i i want to get your opinion because kelly slater greatest of all time was a famous floridian mm-hmm. do you think that he is just a black hole for attention and support and and it's hard for people to kind of matriculate up through florida because so much attention is given to kelly over decades or would you think it's the inverse in that he is sort of a guiding light and inspiration to a lot of Floridians coming up? It's probably a bit of both, but it's shocking that that he hasn't sort of spawned more Floridian surfers coming to the championship tour. Well, I I think he did. And, you know, I think there was that period, especially in the, you know, the late 90s when you had Corey and Shea and all these other guys who were coming up out of there. I, I definitely think there was a period, too, you know, back when the X Games had surfing and the East Coast was dominating the West Coast and stuff, Kelly absolutely lifted the game for those guys. And and, and they definitely, uh, you know, rode his coattails for a while there. Um, but, hey, Kelly's 44, and, you know, all his kids are dead. <laughs> it's like, it's like, where are they, you know? And, and it's... California look we we haven't exactly been cranking them out so uh but it was just an interesting stat because you think of Florida as dominant it was just sort of a revealing stat to me of like wow they've been having issues and so kind of pulling for Evan just just for that sake just to get Florida back on the map there and 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 then yeah for sure and then then the QS is now shifting into the European leg there was a, a smaller event ran at Anglet um, over the weekend that was won by uh, Wade Carmichael from the Central Coast as well as Claire Bevilacqua from Western Australia, both Australians. And just both amazing talents. Like Wade Carmichael continues to just blow my mind because he wins in little ways, and he's not a small guy. No, he's a he's a thick dude, and, and he he has so much speed and so much power, and I, I would he's come close to cracking it a few times, and I get excited every time because I think he would add a really cool slightly different dimension to what we have on tour right now um mm-hmm. just a real power based surfer well and we know he can do well in hawaii because he's won at Haleiwa in the past so um pretty big move for him hopefully i mean it's only a 1000 event so it didn't really move the needle for him in terms of cranking him way up the ratings but hopefully he could string something together but yeah this week a big event in spain the 6000 and you know with the qs this year there aren't as many needle moving big 10,000s and all that so these things matter and everybody's heading to Spain and uh you know Leo's back uh after missing the U.S. Open with a head injury I'm sure he's looking to try to lock down a thing for net you know his seat for next year I think he's another big story of, of 2016. With the start of the European QS leg and and trestles which we're going to get to in a moment we're really ushering out of our our northern hemisphere summer but before we move into that chris we had a really interesting leg in fiji jeffrey's bay tahiti um what were some of your favorite moments from the summer yeah the dream too i mean it is fitting that we're we're coming up on labor day weekend so it's a good time to look back and at that you know gotta start with bethany hamilton fiji that was just mind-boggling um and honestly one of the best moments in surfing and I've been watching the sport for for decades. Um, that was just to see her do what she did there was awe inspiring. And and you know I'm so happy just not only to show my daughter that stuff, but my son. You know, it's like it's just universal what she's doing. It's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, and depending on when this goes, uh, sneaky gossip, she's been given the wild card for the lowers event, so we're going to see her next week in the women's event. Yeah, which is huge, you know, and I still remember when Bethany came to lower trestles for the first time after her shark attack, and it was for the NSSA Nationals. She was still, I think, 13, maybe 14, and people were just in awe watching her paddle out. Like, you know, I'm sure her friends in Hawaii had seen it already, but nobody on the mainland had. And by the time she caught her first wave and ripped the thing to shreds, I kid you not, I was watching parents bawling on the beach. It was amazing to watch. And she's just been doing it ever since. So um, can't wait to see her at Trestles. I think it's going to be great to have her here on the mainland in front of this crowd. That's exciting. The other one I thought, obviously, J-Bay. I mean, how can you not? McFanning coming back <laughs> the year after a shark attack and, and winning the event. Uh, pretty damn special post-injury too I mean where was that real tentative week ahead of when that event started that um, we weren't sure if he was actually going to surf which would have been a huge bummer given all the build-up towards his return to South Africa but I don't know I mean at places like Bell's Beach at places like Jeffrey's Bay given his experience and history there it's not a far-fetched idea to say that he's the best surfer that's ever lived those specific venues what do you think Chris yeah I I think I don't think anybody touches him at J-Bay you know I just think that may that wave seems like it was tailor-made for Mick and you know I know there's a lot of discussion and debate because you read the comments of, about sort of the how different errors are scored at J-Bay versus the carves and all that and I just think you know there's a huge part of Mick surfing that's underappreciated and and again, it was like a Gerlach discussion I had with him. He's like, you know, he, he's like, he was like, he was like, Mix are like your favorite rock band, you know? He's like classic rock. You don't, you don't always want to hear it, but then you go see it live and you're like, oh, these guys are so damn good, you know? <laughs> and uh, he had me laughing so hard talking about it. He's just like, the thing that you don't understand about Mick and you can't grasp it when you're watching on a webcast is how much ground he's covering. And it's so fast. And, and it is the speed. Um, and that is something that you kind of have to see live to appreciate. Totally. I, I think, like, our culture, especially with the way media is going, they like these really bite-sized, snackable moments. So, like, the the, the super dynamic singular move. Mm -hmm. and, and Mick and Joel and a lot of the people that are maybe accused of not executing those can totally do those. Yeah. And often do in combination with an entirely beautifully surfed wave right. you know and that's you're right that's something that's hard to translate to the screen yeah absolutely but he and, and mick will be returning he had a he had a break at tahiti but he will be returning he's the defending event winner at trestles it, which is which is just scary to me because he's the accidental contender in that regard like i mean he was number five after jbay he was right up there he didn't go to tahiti um luckily for probably wilco john john and gabe and everybody else but uh, you know, he's coming back to Trestles, and he is dangerous. He's a two-time winner there. You know, you look at his stats. Look, Kelly's stats are still earth-shattering at Trestles. The guy's won the thing six times and had certain, like, three in a row. And, you know, I was looking at another thing we were writing up yesterday. You realize that Kelly's first pro debut win when he, in 1990, 15 of the guys on tour right now weren't even born yet? Yep, I was seven. Yeah, that's just... <laughs> It's just stunning to me, you know, how, how long he's been going at it and how dominant he's been out there. And it's not like, you know, he hasn't had... It's been 2012 since Kelly's won, but he made the semis two years ago, 
and he's no slouch. Like, I think he's going to be coming back pretty fired up this year. I think he's going to be pretty smart with his equipment choices, I think, because he knows, he knows this is, if he's going to mount any kind of real challenge, it's going to start here. For sure. And and before we dive deep into trestles too, I wanted to, to note that, you know, Joanne DeFay winning in Fiji was a really cool moment. Um, you know, she's been sneaky amazing out there for years and years. She's so comfortable in reef breaks, and it really shined yeah. this year in the women's event. And then, obviously, I enjoyed, you know, Mick's triumph in J-Bay, but the other thing I really liked was just watching the, the cat and mouse game between Wilco now having the target mm-hmm. and then having guys like John and Gabrielle hunt him down over that middle leg. Yeah. Um, you know, Kelly's win's still amazing. It's going to be interesting to see if he can validate that kind of dominance as as the eternal emperor at, at Trestles. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a really exciting summer, um, and, and there was a lot of cool tensions. But, yeah, next week's Trestles. A lot of great storylines, yeah. The, the world title race is, is definitely... In my mind, it's actually got more. In, it's gotten much more interesting after Chopu, just because of the fact that, you know, Slater and now Fanning coming back to Trestles. Those are those are two. Whatever your feelings on whether Kelly even is bothering with it, um, those are two very potent spoilers in the mix. And you know, Kelly's not going away. Um, he's there to mess people up. So there's going to be some dreams shattered for sure. And and on the Kelly thing. What would you say is his, in the, with the current field and the current schedule, what do you think is his weakest venue, just given the wave and given his, his approach versus the rest of the field? Gosh, that's a great question. It's a great question. I would probably say it might be Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think on the one hand, he's, he's the yoga master, tube master, squeeze into anything, um, and can contort his body into any way, but if it turns into the air game, um, it's not like Kelly's a slouch in the air. But it's just that the pilots these days, um, they're they're just hitting new heights. Uh, what Felipe and Italo are doing, they become much more dangerous if Portugal's four feet and punchy barrels. Um, same thing with France. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I even think this, that's the case with, with trestles. If trestles is small and one foot less, like, just put Italo in the final, you know? <laughs> like, it's going to—luckily, I don't think the forecast is calling for that. I think we're going to actually get some good surf. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger it is, the better ch- Slater's chances because it becomes more about surfing on the face. Sure. And if it's surfing on the face, he's going to do well. Yeah, it's interesting you say trestles. And, and the beach breaks for me, if I'm going to answer my own question, you know, they're a bit of a crapshoot. Like, he can do well, he can do bad. It's I don't think that's the ultimate measure for someone like him. But given his history of success at lower trestles, I'd actually are. And, and given the way he's currently surfing, which is not bad, but it, it suffers compared to a, a level of physicality that the rest of the 34 now possess compared to five years ago or 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I would say that lowers might be one of his weaker spots just because these guys surf it so much and they're so explosive. But, I mean, look, it wasn't like he eked out the win in Tahiti. Like, he Mm-mm. destroyed people. Yeah. So so I think, I think in his head he knows he's got a lot to prove at Trestles. I think he knows it's a different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Um I would, I would love to see. I can't wait to see his heats, like, and see how he approaches them. Yeah, and I think you know the the, the case we sort of made um, 
in a piece about whether Kelly can win was you look at the past Trestles winners and they it's Mick, it's Kelly, it's Mick, it's Kelly. It's guys who surf it on the face. It's Jordy. Sure. It's not necessarily, it's been a while since a full-blown air guy mm-hmm. won Trestles. And, you know, there's, yes, it's the home progression. Yeah. Yes, it's where these guys can put that stuff all on display. But when it comes to making it through round after round after round, um, there's that speed power flow part that doesn't get forgotten and doesn't get left behind. So I think Kelly's going to be smart. Kelly's going to be leaning on that. It really is amazing. Let's talk about Matt Wilkinson. Lost the yellow jersey in Tahiti. Do you think it's a relief for him on some level? Like, do you think that his mentality and part of his success requires him to everyone to think he's the underdog? Like, I guess my point is, for his title campaign, is it better that he lost it then as opposed to, like, Portugal, when he probably couldn't rally back around to, to retrieve it again? Gosh, that's another good question. I, I You know, I think everyone, including Wilco, probably nobody more than Wilco was stunned by his success this year, right? Um, and it's it's so obscene in this way that if somebody would have told you that this time last year that Matt Wilkinson was going to lead for the entire first half of the season um, and have a fairly commanding lead at one point, you would have just been like, what? I think he would have been the first person that would have been like, what? Yeah, and so I think he's done a really good job, and I think Micro's done a really good job of keeping the whole thing in perspective. He's known that this is a big horse race, long one, and um, there's gonna it's going to come with ups and downs. Um, and, yeah, I do think there's a little bit less pressure on him now without that target on his back because it shifts. It's shifting straight on to John John Florence right now. First front runner since... Andy Irons, yeah, from Hawaii. Excuse me. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, do you think? And 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 same question. Do you think that John's approach changes now that he's going to have to deal with more of the media scrutiny and attention with the yellow jersey? Well, I think if anybody's used to media scrutiny, it's John John Florence. Um, I think his attitude has already changed from the get go this year. You know, I mean, he's made no bones about this is the year I'm going for it. He's got his whole twelve campaign. The that you know it's it's in his it's he's ready for the pressure um so the the big question with john and when you look at the stats this is the the open question is can he become more consistent you know because he just has a history of going really well in one event and bombing out the next and you know that was very much wilco's story for a little while he changed it and John certainly seems to be you know he seems to be on a fairly steady roll since his his somewhat crappy start to the season um but when you've got Gabe Medina breathing down your neck um that's tough that's a lot of pressure so it'll be I don't know the answer to your question I don't know if he's gonna crack and if he's got it but We'll see. I mean, he's still looking for some big wins. Like, think about it. He's John John Florence still hasn't won the Pipe Masters, which is just ludicrous, right? He's won everything, a lot of other things. He he wins it every other day of the year, except for except for the Pipe Masters. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he wins the Eddie. You know, it's like uh, he wins Brazil. It's just these things that uh, you don't know. You don't know. And and Wilco, historically, he's been a box of chocolates. Like you don't. Any day, you have no idea what the guy is going to deliver. He's just somehow become more consistent this year. 
so the, the wild cards for the Hurley Pro are decided via a trials that they hold at T Street. And that's inclusive of San Clemente locals as well as sort of Hurley's off-tour superstars. And right. um, the two wild cards this year were allocated to Brett Simpson, who's a former CT competitor, mm-hmm. and Tanner Gudowskis from San Clemente, who was a very brief former CT competitor and, and suffered from the half year where, right. where we reduced the field and, and he got knocked out before he got the surf trestles. He got knocked out oh, in Tahiti. That's so painful. So painful. But what are your opinions of both those surfers? I think they're both big threats. Um, you know, Godowskis, he's out there every day, um, along with six or seven tour stars now who live and call San Clemente home, um, but certainly knows the wave inside and out. He's 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 not going to lose on wave count or anything like that. You know, he's always going to get his waves. He's a strong dude. Yeah. He likes going left, though, and, and that's another interesting question. Like, I feel that the majority of the wins and the majority of the high scores in recent years are on the rights. I haven't really seen – I can't remember a person that went left and, and took the event out. I mean, there's the odd amazing wave for yeah. sure. I mean, I guess that just comes down to opportunity. The right's longer and offers more scoring potential. It does, and it's it's a swell direction thing, right? Like, the right swell direction, the left sometimes just offers a much better platform and a face quality. And there are those swell directions where the right can just burger out from the get-go, and, and then it's all about the left. But we, we haven't seen that in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty darn good down at Trestles all summer long. I mean, it's been consistent. Um, all summer and the right is a bit it's been a bit mushy on the inside um the vast majority of the swells that we've seen you know it's it's a couple hits at the beginning and then it's rap 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 um so this could be a year where we see some lefts and i don't know if this forecast is these hurricane swells coming from hawaii or what and how that'll affect it but um you know i keep thinking back to the year luke egan won and i think it was 2002 or something. I'm going to say that's 2002. It was unbelievable how good the waves were that year and the intervals were really close together and it was solid 6 to Mm 8 and just pumping green walls of perfection. It would be nice if we get a little bit of that. Yeah, and I I mean to to wrap off on our wild cards I like Brett Simpson uh, being a danger man with with nothing to lose. I, I think he was one of those guys that um, his talent was always a lot better than his results mm-hmm. on tour. Um, he's still super dangerous, and it'll be interesting to see how he approaches the event without the specter of falling off tour. Exactly, and and you know, he's had some banger heats out there with Joel Parkinson in the past, where um, his full I, nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and and those were honestly, you go back and they're some of the most incredibly surfed heats I've seen out there you know and those sometimes you get those round two and three heats that get you know forgotten in the annals of history because it's not the guy doesn't make the finals sure but Brett has definitely turned in some incredible performances at trestles and so he is going to be dangerous and he is going to be coming up against guys like Gabe and John um so yeah with with a lot to prove with a lot to prove yeah so Let's shift to the girls. The girls are coming off of the Fiji U.S. Open at Huntington Beach, which which struggled for waves, and they're approaching Trestles, which is a relatively new venue on the women's schedule, but the last couple of years have seen just amazing performances from them. Yep, absolutely. I think um, 
I think there's a very good chance this is where Steph Gilmore gets her mojo back. Mm. Um, she didn't get to surf the event last year. She was still injured. The only year she did surf it, she won it, and she won it handily. She mm. had like 19.5 points in the final against Sally, which yeah. is just a joke. And what we've seen of Steph this year, I mean, Steph's performances, a couple of those heats she's had, whether it was like round two on the Gold Coast or round four or five, I forget, in Margaret River. But, I mean, there's been men on the CT running to the TV screens to go catch her heats. Sure. You know, like... Peter King was telling me how Philippe Toledo was just sprinting, just screaming at the screen, like watching her on the Goldie and stuff like that. And, you know, that's that's inspiring. And I think we're going to see a bit of that. Yeah. I mean, Steph, you know, having the, the good privilege, really, of knowing her for most of her time on the CT, she's got nothing left to prove. You know, she's achieved so much already. And it, it's one of those things now where it feels like sometimes the waves need to turn up to motivate her into performing. She's got a little bit of the Kelly thing going. A little bit, right? Yeah. And and she's 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 so good even when it's small. Like, I mean, she's won events when it's really tiny because she's just such a good all-around surfer. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I, I think she's mostly motivated now to put in... She doesn't want to win a heat with 12 points. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to have heats where she's putting 18 points on the board. And, and Trestles is, is easily one of those waves, even when it's waist-high, that's suited to her surfing. So it'll be really interesting. What do you think about the Tyler-Courtney back and forth for the top spot? Well, I've been diving into the numbers. And, you know, according to the numbers, which I actually trust a little bit more often when in these dream-wavy kind of scenarios as opposed to beach break. I think I think when you kind of have those beach break locations, it's like just toss a hat in the air with all the, the chips in them. But um, I believe the numbers a little bit more at places like Trestles. And here's the thing, and I think the challenge for Courtney, is her numbers are not great compared to Tyler's, Steph's, Carissa's, everybody else, whether it's average heat score, whether it's rounds, advancing, all that kind of stuff at Trestles. It's just not there yet. She hasn't had a big result. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if she can claw her way back because I think she's definitely um, got her work cut out for her compared to the rest of them. And it's really tight. I will say this. I mean, there are six girls in in the average uh, heat score scenario, like at the top, they're all within a point. Um, but Courtney's down in the 11 or 12 range. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a gap there. As a former competitor yourself putting yourself into the mind of Courtney Conlog does do the ghosts of 2015 haunt her now that she's lost the yellow jersey I you know it's a great question I don't I think she's pretty uh, she seemed pretty rattled at the US Open I'll mm-hmm. tell you that it was I watched the heat where she lost her entourage was sitting just 10 yards away and there was definitely some some serious emotion there um, that said, usually that's cathartic. You get that out and you come back with a fighting spirit and that's the character she is. So I think she's, she's, she's going to come in with the typical Courtney death stare and be pretty focused uh, at the task at hand. And I, I don't think she cares really about what color her jersey is right now. Um, I think she's smarter than that. And she knew from the get go when she had the yellow jersey, she's like, Hey, it's going to be a long one. There's no... You know, no sign that this is anywhere near over. So she knew this 
this day could come. Yeah, I, I think it could go either way with her, and I think it's it's similar to a Wilco situation that if she is going to rebound, it's better for her that it happened mid-season as opposed to second-to-last event because I think regardless of who it is, it takes a minute to kind of wrap your head around, okay, now I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I, Tyler looks pretty dangerous. Yeah, she does. She does. I, I still think before this year is out, though, Carissa and Steph are going to make some noise. You know, I, I find it very hard to believe that we can go an entire season without either of them winning an event. Sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, uh, definitely looking forward to this week. I think it's going to be uh, a pretty exciting one coming forward with uh, events all over the world. It's going to be really exciting. And, I mean, as you said before, the forecast is looking really good for the day one start. I, I don't remember when we've had a real solid swell on tap, at least at the start of this event for a while. So it's a super exciting place to have an event. It's it's a high-performance training ground. Everyone from Southern California comes down to watch the world's best surfers, um, you know, tear the bag out of it. So it's it's going to be fun. It will be fun, and, and before that, we might even see some big wave chargers head down to Tahiti before this, like as in this weekend, because there's a red alert heading down that way. So. Oh dear! Does anyone from the CT go down there? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Just get but, their trestles boards ready. But you know, it's it's never too early for the big wave awards to start. So. That's year round. Yeah, so year right. round, baby. Right on, man. Well. Looking forward to watching Trestles live next week, both on WorldSurfLeague.com and the WSL app. And Chris, looking forward to catching up next week. We might be doing it from down at Trestles. Oh, yeah, live at Trestles. Thanks, everyone. And if you have any questions for us, please feel free to email us at bteam at WorldSurfLeague.com. See you next week.